The Texans lose to the Jets in New York, and that is not the only loss they took this weekend. We're going to talk about that and more on this edition of the bullpen. Welcome, I am James Roy, and this is Tom Chavaria, and we are the Bullpen. Thanks for tuning in, and before we get started, if you like the show or if you like the Texans, you should drop a comment, like, subscribe, or do whatever it is you do when you see or hear what you're hearing or seeing right now. Tom, sad day all around. I feel, I feel like, I felt like we couldn't get any lower than losing Tank Dell at home in, in a victory against the Broncos that just wasn't exactly amazing, but going into New York, I think a lot of people thought the Texans were just going to cruise and crush, even with the weather, even with the Jets' defense. I wasn't one of those people, but I'm just I, I kind of had the feeling that this game was going to be a win, and and that's not what you know came to fruition. And then losing C.J. Stroud among the six players that ended up being injured. How are you feeling coming out of that game? I'm more upset with the fact that uh, they're so banged up. Like this game screamed trap game. This game screamed an L for so many reasons other than uh, Tank Dell not being around. I felt like the weather was a big issue. This is the first game that they really played in some really bad conditions, cold weather. I mean, we have the friendly confines of NRG. Uh, we play in the south. It's warmer. You just don't have that wet, cold weather uh feel up north and I think they just really weren't prepared for it uh, as you could see in all the injuries that were you know felt like muscular stuff hamstrings calves stuff like that I think the turf played a played a factor I think that was also a factor and I just I just really wished I, I could care less if they lost I wanted the win I absolutely did Vegas knew this wasn't going to be a runaway game it was only a three and a half point spread Vegas knew this was going to be tight and uh, it ended up not being tight at all. But I, the health thing was the biggest thing for me. I was so worried about the conditions and the field, and it just kind of played out that way. And now I hope that these guys that all got nicked up in this game can get back in short order because there's still so much for this team to play for. I, I agree with you. And, you know, there's so much to talk about with this game, but I feel like before we get into the game, I kind of want to take a bite um, out of a topic that some of our resident Texans Twitter engagement farmers have been putting out there. Uh, I don't know if it's really a question worth asking, I, but I'm going to ask you the question to see. Um, it's, it's the fourth quarter. You're down three scores, and you know the turf's bad, the weather's bad. Are you considering pulling C.J. Stroud from that game before he suffers the concussion that he did? Do you think that you would have it would have crossed your mind if you were the head coach of the Texans? I think the biggest thing about when it happened was that there were they were still within striking distance. I think it had had it been twenty seven to six and CJ was out there probably I think I think it was before that, right? Probably I think it was twenty four when he got knocked out. I think once it got to once it got to the three touchdowns, I probably would have definitely pulled him. Um 
I don't know. These guys want to play, man. I, I mean, CJ's really young. He's going to want to try to figure it out. He's going to want to try to give his team a chance. He's never going to want to quit on a game, especially when the rest of the team cannot quit on a game. So I really feel like it would have been hard to tell him to, all right, we're going to pull you. Obviously, it wasn't his day. There was The conditions were tough. Drop balls all over the field. I mean, things were, were just mounting. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that you can go and second-guess the, the decision to leave him out on the field and go, nope, nope. He needed to be put away so he didn't get hurt. I, I just feel like most head coaches and, and quarterbacks understand each other enough to know that regardless, you, you play football every Sunday and you're, you know, it's your job to step out there and play. As a head coach, to ask your starting quarterback to step out to prevent the risk of injury sounds very NBA-esque, and it's just not like quite how football is played. So while I don't like that C.J. Stroud got injured, I probably would have been one of the ones that was a little frustrated. It, it feels like waving the white flag, pulling your starting quarterback in that situation, especially with as much time as was left in the game. Um, I mean, I don't know. I like to use the Manning rule. I don't know if you're familiar um, the largest comeback over the shortest deficit of time was Monday night, 2001, I want to say, when the Colts played the Buccaneers. It's the first time that Tony Dungy came back to uh, Tampa Bay, and the Colts were down by like 21 points with three minutes left, and they came back and won the game. So like, if you're within three scores and there's at least that much time left, I'm all for continuing to press in and try and get it. Now, some of the things that may have affected this game early on, as we both know, the first half ended 0-0, and there's a lot going on around what led up to C.J. Stroud's injury that kind of played into it. You can call it the weather, and you can call it the injuries. The first thing I want to talk about is specifically the injury to Nico Collins. Do you feel like if Nico Collins stays in this game that the Texans have a significantly better chance at competing in this game? I have to think so in the way that the Jets were able to put up points with Garrett Wilson. Uh, he leaned on Garrett Wilson heavy, Brees, Brees Hall too, but uh, Garrett Wilson to be sure, like when he needed a, a big completion to extend a drive. And you could tell CJ just didn't have that. He did not have the chemistry built up with John Mechie. He did not have, uh, I think, Noah Brown, maybe not all the way back. He struggled too as well. And I don't even know what happened to Robert Woods or Brevin Jordan. So when you start looking at, at what he had to work with, there just wasn't a whole lot of options. And uh, until him and maybe Xavier Hutchinson get on the same page, I just feel like there was a whole lot of miscommunication, misdirection. The, it just they look so broken, and it's and, and it just speaks to how much when you have your starting core uh, position guys how much different they look compared to guys that, you know, play every fifth or sixth down or something like that. Well, and this has felt like a Texans team. We've talked about it at length on the podcast that that truly embodied the next man up mentality. You know, you looked at Texans past, you know, we did, they did a whole video to talk about how TJ Yates, like why not TJ Yates for winning the 2011 playoffs. Right. And you, and you talk about next man up and it feels like this corny thing that coaches have to say because they can't say, our starters aren't in there, so I guess I don't really expect to win. Like you have, you, that's lame. You have to act at least act like you have a chance at winning. To this point, it's felt like next man up has been in effect. The Texans have have done a really good job of overcoming injuries, but there's just a point where it kind of maybe becomes too much. One interesting stat that I'd like to bring up is that each week I can't remember. I think it's Patrick Storm usually posts like the average yards of separation that every receiver has throughout a game. And this game by far was the worst game that the Texans have had in that category. 
Robert Woods was the only receiver to average over three yards of separation per route ran. Um, and every other receiver was in the one point, you know, 1. 1.5, 1. 1.6 uh, area. So, um, and you can also look at, you know, Mechie, uh, Woods, uh, Noah Brown, uh, and Hutchinson combined for like four receptions for like 19 yards or something like that. Some obscenely low number. So it's no wonder that CJ couldn't even break 100 yards in this game. Um, it felt like the where whenever he threw it, it was where it needed to be, but the defender was there. That 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 to me was the difference. Was the and and a credit to the Jets defense. I don't think anyone who had reasonable you know football knowledge in their head was doubting that the Jets defense was going to be a tough matchup. And so you can blame it on the weather all you want. I would say the biggest factor for me is the defense is what probably affected this. Would you agree with that, or do you think that there was something else that was more affecting the Texans' ability to perform in this game? I don't want to take anything away from the defense. The defense was very, very good. However, I do feel like you saw guys just a little ginger with their movements. I think that uh, when they when you saw Brevin Jordan's post-game presser talk about the field and how bad it was, and how hard it was and how, you know, it just it just was not forgiving. I think some guys were afraid. And then you start seeing guys leave the game. Blake Cashman with a hamstring. Nico Collins with a calf. You start seeing guys start getting nicked up. And now you're like, well, man, I don't want that. So I imagine there wasn't the, the faith in the footing, so to speak. And, and that's why I think some of the stuff looked the way it did. I know there was some bad tackling on, on, on the defensive side of the ball, which is not something we've seen from the Texans a lot this season. They've done a real good job of tackling. There was a lot of missed tackles, in my opinion. And I, I can't just take this team that, that's played so well in all these football games and then look at this one and go, something may right, and it's just this otherworldly defense that's been getting lit up. Well, there are, there are some people that will tell you that it's like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of felt like Bobby Slowick was calling this game like CJ had the same options that he's had for mo- like this receiving core has been fully healthy for all of maybe one or half of a game uh, as we know it in its best version that features Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Um, and so when you see that, you know, there was games where Noah Brown stepped in and played that role when Tank Dell was out. Um, and there was there was certain people stepping up and filling roles that needed to be filled, but it felt like we didn't really get that. Now, another factor, personally, um, I looked it up. C.J. Stroud is the fifth most sacked quarterback in the NFL at this point um, with 35 sacks. A lot of those have been occurred over the past two or three weeks. Um, and when we look at the offensive line's PFF performance, um, once again, Patrick Storm posts the grades on average. Uh, Michael Dieter, 20. Not a great performance from our center. Probably his first really awful slip up, and then right tackle no, uh, George Fant, uh, he just had not the best game blocking, and so when and CJ was sacked, I want to say it was four or five times. Um, I don't have the precise number off the top of my head. Um, do you, do you think that played a role? Because we've talked early in the season about how it felt like CJ handles pressure really well, but over the past few weeks, it feels like the pressure has started to mount. And do you think maybe it, like a combination of you know the defense and the pressure and, and the weather maybe just finally became too much and it became like a sink or swim moment and CJ just kind of sank or how do you feel? I think in recent weeks there's been a combination of things. I've seen CJ hold onto the ball a little bit too long. I've seen the the offense get a little one dimensional 
and kind of get away from the run, some by necessity, some because just let CJ cook, right? Well, if you're going to allow a team to basically identify that you're going to throw the ball, they're going to pin their ears back and they're going to come back and they're going to get after you. I think it's asking a lot of this offensive line to constantly block in, 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 a, in a pass pro all the time. I think uh, while they're better pass protectors, I think that the balance has to be there. It's tough because you see what CJ is able to do. However, I think when CJ lost his top guys, they tried to get to a point where they could run the football more and credit, you know, the Jets defense for just being incredibly good up front. Their, their, their interior line is, is very special. Um, Quinn and Williams, who I'm sure we'll talk more about, you know, is a really good football player. So when you see when you when you see all that sides up front, it makes it really uh, hard to want to run the football at it. You're like, eh, I got There's got to be a better way to beat it. However, when when you are allowing these teams to tee off on your quarterback, it's only a matter of time, in my opinion. The best offensive lines in passing down still get beat because the other team's got great defensive, you know, pass rushers coming. So I think for me. It would have been easier to be a little bit more balanced, especially when Nico went down. It's just the score. They got behind the score, and it was like there was opportunities missed, and then now, now, you're, now you're basically asking to throw against this defense. And I just felt like the offense, exactly what you spoke to with Bobby Stoic wanting to run the same offense, but I just think it wasn't, the, it wasn't just that. It was the types of plays. This is a, this is a team that you don't have these deep threats anymore and you definitely don't have the time. So why are we running, you know, 10, 15, 20 yard routes in hope that CJ can extend a play long enough to find these guys when it, the idea, and we spoke to it in the, in the, the, the buildup was probably to work, you know, a little bit more around the line of scrimmage, tight end, running back, that sort of thing. Quick, getting the ball out quick, getting guys into space. The way the Jets were able to pick apart the Texans. I was going to say, Zach Wilson tore us up. It, it, the amount of times, th- third and long, Zach Wilson drops back. And he's got Brees Hall on the flat. And, and Brees Hall gets a first down. Just miserable to watch. And I, and, and I guess, you know, that's a, that's a good segue into that topic. Uh, the defense, how... How can I don't want to say concerned, right? You know, it's been a whole season we've, we, in the in the defense as it stands. Um, if you want to know the Texans' defensive rankings in total yards per game, they're ranking twentieth overall. Um, they, they're twenty sixth in passing yards allowed per game, and they are seventh in uh, rushing yards allowed. So they are really good at run defense, but it, it, when you're that bad at pass defense, it makes the whole defense look worse. So. Do you, do you think it was a lack of adjustment on D'Amico's part? Do you, uh, what do you think led to this team not being able to stop what seemed like a very repetitive scheme? If I had to pinpoint something in particular, I think really what hurt them a lot was Blake Cashman going down uh, with with running backs in, in, in out in space like that. The linebackers are so important, and I think – you lose one of those key pieces and I, I think it just, it's so big because it's such a stabilizing force, a sure tackler. I'm sure there's more to it. I'm sure there's some good scheme there. I, I got to imagine that uh, they had a good game plan that worked. 
I don't want to take anything away from the Jets. I don't want to ever sound like, you know, I'm not giving credit to that team because they went out and got it done. I know it's it's their home field, but they, they found a way to do stuff. And a lot of people say, well, you can't blame the weather because the Jets are doing things. I'm like, yeah, but that's they're they're built for it. That that's what they, you know, oh, you two months out of the year. Yep. <laughs> yep. Two months out of the year. That's their that's their home. They're more consistent with that 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 play style. So credit to them, but at the same time, you know. You really need to have all your cylinders clicking to beat a team in their building on the road when you're going from a dome to outdoors in in December. Now, speaking of all cylinders clicking, Motor, Devin Singletary, leading run, running back. I When I saw the stat line, it was like 10 rushes for 64 yards, something like that. Um, it, he had the only significant day, uh, it, would, it, it would appear, from the running back room. Now, a lot of people leading into this matchup thought due to the weather that the Texans might lean too heavy into the running game. And to some extent, it, it kind of feels like maybe they didn't ride a good thing when, when it was working. Um, and, and additionally, you know, Devin Sing or uh, Damian Pierce has been under a lot of scrutiny. Um, and this game just didn't exactly help him. Do you think at this point that that's on him or that's, that's on the scheme I mean, how, how do you view what the Texans did in the run game and like put a spin on it that makes it make sense? They did what they've done all season long. They've ran Devin Singletary to the edges where the strength of the offensive line is, and they ran Damian Pierce right at the middle where the weakness of the offensive line is. And I just think that it's going to look lopsided as long as that's the thing. If you want to go back and look at tape and look at runs in which Devin Singletary went up the middle – he got very little accomplished, a lot like Devin Singletary, or Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce, and it's 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 like selective memory for some people with this. All these the, the stat line watching, and then but they're not actually watching this game, and then not identifying. Well, pfft. oh, you know, if I if I run if I run outside to the left behind Laramie Tunsil, I might be all right. But if I go up the middle where I've got Juice Scruggs, who hasn't played a whole lot of football this year. Maybe I'm not going to run the ball that well there. I don't know. Just just the way I see it. I mean, I was just surprised at how little they ran Damian Pierce because it felt like they were running him a lot it, when I was watching the game. And maybe I was just getting mixed up. But I, And it felt like he was he was doing all right. Like when I, Every time I saw Damian Pierce touch the ball, it felt like he was getting about three yards, you know, getting his, his fair share of shake. There was one play where he got tackled behind the line of scrimmage. But outside of that, like in my memory, he was, he was doing far better than like 2.2 yards per carry or whatever they had him on. But that I think that's really what I, I agree with you. You made the point earlier in the show. The the Jets defense was kind of able to pin their ears back and just really get after it because the Texans offense became one dimensional against a defense that could take advantage of it. And I think to this point, other defenses maybe tried or came close or maybe they did in, in the losses, but in wins, it, maybe we just were able to overcome the one dimensional aspect of the Texans offense. Now, Speaking to the play where C.J. Stroud got injured, as you said, we were going to bring up Quinn and Williams again. He posted an apology afterwards on Twitter um, and you know said it wasn't his intentions. Um, if you watch the play, and I've watched it several hundred times because as you may or may not know, I, I made a tweet about it that was a bit um, exaggerated. Um, and to clarify for everyone who's made it this far in the podcast, um, I, I do not want Quinn and Williams ejected from the league. I was just really frustrated that C.J. Stroud was ejected from the game by way of injury because of 
because of Quinn and Williams is what it would appear. When you when you look back at the replay, um, you can see that Ju now that it, I'm about to rant a little bit here. I'm about to ramble. It's gonna be a long stretch of my voice, so buckle up and and <laughs> get ready. Um, the play. A lot of people think that I was frustrated with the late hit. The clip I shared was slowed down. It's very obvious that it was not um, significantly late after C.J. Stroud let go of the ball. That is football. It was a clean hit from that perspective. The other part of it is is that Juice Scruggs technically pushed Quinn and Williams into C.J. Stroud. So realistically, if there was any speed gained on Quinn and Williams' part, it was probably because Juice Scruggs thought he was helping him was not. Um, the other part of it, though, is is that the real frustration that I had behind it was when Quinn and when Quinn and Williams went down. It it appears as though he uses his hand to throw CJ into the ground. And now he may have been bracing himself. I I trust that if he says that he didn't mean anything ill by it, maybe he didn't. Um, but what injured CJ Stroud was not that hit happens all the time, and CJ likely step stands up from that if he doesn't get sl like slammed, pile driven into the ground. And so what happened there is then his back hits first and his head snapped because of how quickly he was just pounded into the ground. And that's where I thought the flag was warranted was in, in that regardless of if it's on purpose or not, Quinn Williams is the one who slammed him into the ground that at least draws a flag. I don't know about a fine or a penalty I, I, or a fine or like a suspension or anything like that. But and like I said, I do trust that Quinn Williams is not just giving the public lip service seemed really genuinely concerned about CJ after it was all said and done. But the fact that a flag wasn't thrown was really the source of my frustration, regardless of intent, because you can't, as a ref, you can't police intent. You you police what happened on the field. And what happened was, is Quinnen Williams, when while bracing himself to fall to the ground, pushed CJ Stroud's chest and slammed him into the ground, drove him into the ground, which is by definition... Uh, it, roughing the passer at least unnecessary roughness it's it's somewhere in there um at that point in the game that penalty means nothing based off of where the texans were at so at the end of the day maybe who knows maybe i was doing some engagement farming by tweeting that i i, I was just genuinely frustrated but you know whatever i i in the moment that's where I, my head was at and that's why i tweeted that so tom what are your thoughts on on the tackle that and uh, ended cj stroud's day I didn't love it. I thought that, yeah, it was probably a little excessive. I don't understand the people that were pining for the flag after the fact, you know, that, that, you know, in the moment, sure. Tweeting about it an hour later would not have nothing. It would not have made it better. It would not have brought CJ back from the, from the tunnel. Like, oh, they threw a flag. Okay, we're good. No concussion. No, I wish it never happened. I wish it had been blocked better. I wish the play had been called up better so he wasn't in that position in the first place. I, I, I think that uh, they should have ran some more plays to get him out of the pocket to give him the option to run or throw. Uh, but we didn't see a lot of that. I don't understand the uh, the, 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 the people that want to go to war on Quentin Williams and, and, I mean, yes, you lose your player. Absolutely. It sucks. I, I hate it. I hope he plays uh, Sunday. I don't believe he will just because how the, the uh, concussion protocol works. Now, interestingly enough, not to cut you off there, but uh, Derek Carr and Brock Purdy have both this season are some of the few players that have come back within the same week of getting a concussion. 
and they've made it through protocol, but it is, it is incredibly rare relative to the whole population of concussions that have occurred. I hope CJ's number three. I mean, he's a the, the team's better with him in there. It does not matter who his weapons are because he's a special talent. Uh, I, I've heard people try to argue that, yo, Davis could be, you know, I'm sure he could, but if, if I get to choose, I'm choosing CJ Stroud. Uh, I need I, to have that discussion about the backup quarterback. We'll do that another day, though. That's not that's not for the recap. That's for the preview. Or is it? <laughs> it I don't do you want to hash it out now. No, nah, I mean you can say that. It's it's. I don't understand that argument either. But everybody needs to have their opinion, and that's fine. You're allowed it. It's just there's a reason the depth charts are the way they are. I, I just my hope is that it doesn't matter because we're talking about C.J. Stroud practicing on Wednesday and playing on Sunday in a game in which the Tennessee Titans will be wearing oiler blue and they need to lose in that uniform. Yeah, I agree. I think that not having CJ for that game, just from that perspective to me is frustrating. Um, I'd, I'd rather that not be the case. Now, lastly, um, I want to talk to the defense. Now we already briefly talked about a lack of adjustments to throwing in the flat. Zach, Zach Wilson, 301 yards, uh, two touchdowns, not not really challenged in any way. Um, I mean, how do how do you go from a zero zero game to a thirty to six game? I'll tell you my my guess, as I've always said, is that you know no matter how elite or good a defense is, if you're not getting any offensive assistance, there's only so long you can hold before the levy breaks. But I, I mean, how, how do you how do you feel about such a stark turn from like halftime to the end of the game. The offense was so inept that the defense just lived on the field. And I think when in, in a, in a game where the conditions aren't great, I think it's so hard to keep the mental focus when you're looking forward to, you know, maybe getting to the sideline, get a little warm, get a little break. And it's like back out there, back out there, soaking wet, you know, 50 degrees, I mean, it's 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 a serious environment, and when you don't know where the football's going, and you got to figure it out versus the other team who clearly has an idea where the football's going, it's got to be hard when it's just constant. And I really feel like the defense was just asked to do too much. The offense just could not get a sustaining drive at any point in the second half to give the defense a, a, a break, a blow to be able to sit back look at some film maybe on the tablet or something and kind of figure out what they're doing. It seemed like it was three and out after three and out after three and out. And they were just hanging on for dear life. And, and, and the momentum swung the, the however many thousand people, 2000, 3000, whatever was in the building, they were clearly, you know, eating it up. They were enjoying the game. So they had the, the home field crowd to an extent in behind them and the jets were able to make some stuff happen. So it's 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 a horrible result. It's it's a game that could have meant so much to the Texans that they won it. Can't go back and change it. Just gotta just gotta keep driving. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And and to say something to what you said earlier about uh, Blake Cashman, Blake Cashman, I think that his role is so vital for for a couple of reasons. But the the most major one is 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 that a lot. If you look at Christian Harris's stat line, he was targeted. I want to say he allowed like. 11 of 12 completions his way for like 91 yards and a touchdown or something like that. Um, 
Blake Cashman as a coverage linebacker is able to cover like so much more of the field than than what you're going to get from any other linebacker in that room. And so his that I'd say like his loss on the defensive side was about the equivalent of losing Nico Collins on the offensive side where it kind of sets you up. You're not getting that separation on the offensive side from Nico. You're not getting the coverage from Blake Cashman and all in all it just puts you in a bad spot as a team. Now, am I going to blame this loss on the weather or am I going to panic? I I'm locked in on the Texans making the playoffs. This is there's there's a lot of things that that are getting in the way of that. Um and I guess well, I I do have one more question for you before we kind of bring it to a close. Um do you think that if CJ Stroud doesn't play this weekend or if the tit- the Texans play the Titans and don't play them their best, um do you think that that could spell the end of the playoffs? Or do you think it's we're at a point now where every win moving forward uh, is is that important, or do you think there's any leeway in that department? I don't think there's any leeway with as many teams that are that are now in the discussion. I think two weeks ago it was very clear there was three, maybe four teams that were vying for the three spots. Now it's something like six teams with the inclusion of Denver that's now in there, Indy that's now in there, obviously Cincy is now in there, and you just look at all these teams, and that's not including teams like uh, Buffalo that just got a big win over Kansas City. That's that's not including Cleveland, who's on top of everybody. So when you start looking at all the teams that are now in the mix for a playoff spot and – while the Texans still have a very favorable schedule, they're walking wounded, man. I mean, that's that's really hard to overcome. And I don't know how many L's you can take from here to the finish line. Ten wins seems like it's what what is required, in my mind, to get a playoff spot. Maybe nine, but I think ten is the number. To do that, they've got to go three and one the rest of the way. And three of the remaining four games on the schedule are divisional matchups. It would require the only loss I feel like you can give up is the Titans because I think most people would agree that the expectation is to go 500 in the division. Um, Anything above that's great. And it'd be nice to beat the Titans in Tennessee and at home, but I'm that's the game I'm fully prepared to give out of the four. Do you think that of the four games coming up, there's a different one that's more likely to be a loss than, than one of the games against Tennessee? For me, it's Cleveland. For me, when you look at what Cleveland's been able to do with Joe Flacco, most people thought their offense would be a totally inept. That was not the case. He made Njoku look like a Pro Bowl tight end on Sunday. Two touchdowns, almost 100 yards. I think it was 99 yards. And that was with a hobbled Amari Cooper. Obviously, their run game is legit with Kareem Hunt and and uh, Ford. So, And that's, that's their offense. Their defense is uh, the worldly. So we've seen what this Texan team has um, <clears throat> has been able to do against really good defenses. I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm going to the game, so I'm hoping they figure it out between here and there. But that's the game that I'm circling on my calendar. I don't feel nearly as bad about the other three as I do about that one. Yeah, and that game definitely comes to mind. Although we've got our good luck charm, Tom, going to the game. You're going to be there live to help us get the dub. So that's exciting. I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited for you to be at the game. It's going to be a fun time. Um, but yeah, and, and that was one of those games along with this one, the Jets and Browns games. 
to me were the biggest tests from the perspective of being able to play against a, a playoff caliber defense, um, a top tier defense and win games. Cause it felt like the Texans offense was unstoppable. Um, a combination of injuries and playing really a really good defense um, has just put the, uh, that in question. Um, I think that there's work to be done. I, I'm I, like I said, I'm not selling the farm. I'm not giving, giving up hope, but there are some things that need to shake out right for the Texans throughout the rest of the season for this to be, you know, salvageable. So do you have any final thoughts before we bring this thing to a close? I think it was just a tough game, man. Uh, they happen. These things happen. There are teams that, that, that took L's this weekend that you would have just been like, there's no way. I mean, everybody in the division lost. So when you look at it like that, yes, at the end of the season, you're going to go, Atlanta, the Jets, Carolina, those those games, all, all probably should have won them. But these things happen. They won some really good football games. They beat a Denver team that looks like he can't lose now. So I, I, I have total faith, but I need these guys to be healthy. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's a shoulda, coulda, woulda league, but I'm, I'm looking ahead. I'm with you. We're going one game at a time. Next week, the Texans play the Titans. Tune in later this week. We're going to be previewing the game right here on the bullpen. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you like and comment. And uh, make sure you follow us if you're on the um, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, Before we go, the PSF app is an app that we are both on. We don't have any more live games the rest of the season. But it's a great way to have a viewing experience of the game that's unlike any other. You get to be in the chat room with the live hosts and you get to interact directly with other Texans fans while you're watching the game. It's a great place to hang out and and spark up a conversation about the Texans and hang out in the community. So download the PSF app today and and join the Texans chat. I'm M1 Texans fan and you can find me on all my socials at that. Tom is third coast Tom on Twitter. And that is the only way you will ever hear him refer to that app as because that's how he sees it. Uh, Yeah, I guess that's about it. Stay classy, Houston. And uh, until next time, vamos Texans. Thanks for tuning into The Bullpen, a Texans podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Please like, comment, subscribe, and follow along for more Texans talk from The Bullpen. Pick the hand up. Stroud. Looking. Stroud.